All right. Well, if you could, if you could go ahead and, and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. As you, you've probably seen on the notes, uh, and because we've been telling you it's going to happen, we're not in 2 Peter. Of course, we finished 2 Peter. We've done, we've done all of the Peter stuff. Uh, and now we're on to the, the next thing we're going to talk about, which is prayer. Uh, we're going to do a little series, and by little, uh, I was talking to the folks last night while we were, we were fellowshipping, and they were like, how long, is, you know, and I made the comment that, you know, it could be a year, uh, and, and they said, really? I said, well, I never know, because we've got it all, we've got it all laid out, all the topics and things we're going to talk about, and, and you look at it, and you can say, this should take approximately, you know, this long, and Brian said, really, a year? And I said, yeah. He said, all right, so guys, three years, all right? So three years, we know that now. Uh, so go ahead uh, and, and plan on it. Uh, but really, we're, we're, we're looking at the question of, of what is prayer? And, and you can see on the notes, that's, the, that's where we're starting today. If we're going to do a study on prayer, one of the things that became very clear in, in, in reading in the, the Bible about prayer and then having conversations with people about prayer and then reading books from great Christian men on prayer and and what they've learned in in their life. Uh, One of the things we've got to start out with, if we're going to get anywhere, is what are we talking about when we say prayer? What is, is prayer even to begin with? Because if, if I asked us, that question, I said, guys, what is prayer? Some of you would have really simple answers. Some of you might say, what is prayer? You've already got a short sort of pithy response for, for what prayer is. It, it's this. I know that it's this. Uh, some of you, if, if I asked you what prayer was, you'd have really, man, you'd have really complex answers and you'd be pulling in, you know, all these sorts of things. Some of you, if you heard me say, guys, what is prayer? Some of you would just start immediately like shrinking in your seats. Uh, like when you heard that we're doing a, a study on, on prayer, some of you immediately, your, your first thought was, all right, well, I need, I need to find a reason to miss church for a year. Uh, some of you, though, uh, responded the other way. You heard a series on prayer and you're like, you're clear in your throat, ready to, uh, ready to you, know, you know, give your definition or even to, to pray out loud. So, but, but that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at what, uh, what is prayer. Uh, but, but the key, the reason I ask what is prayer is because I don't want to know. I don't care what you think prayer is. I don't care what I think prayer is. That doesn't matter. We're not going to get together and collect our 50 or 100 different definitions of prayer and work them into one group definition. You know, this is what First Baptist Church says that prayer is. Uh, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to ask, what does the Bible say about prayer? Because what happens is, I mean, that should be simple enough, right? What does the Bible say about prayer? But that it's not as easy as it sounds. In fact, the the first thing I want us to know before we go into this is this is going to be a difficult subject. Talking about prayer is a difficult subject. And there's several reasons why. Why is prayer so difficult of a subject to wrap our heads around? And not just to wrap our heads around, but to wrap our heads around in a biblical way. 
What makes prayer hard to understand in a biblical way? There are several reasons. One, the first reason prayer is a hard study to do. Uh, and the reason I want you to be praying about our study on prayer is that prayer is just a big topic. I've got books at my house that, I mean, there's some books that are this thick on prayer. There are other books that are this thick on prayer. Some that are pamphlets, some that seem to be entire encyclopedias on what prayer is and what you can learn about prayer. But now the Bible, and this is, this is part, the Bible talks about prayer or, and uses the word prayer about 250 times, somewhere in that ballpark. And again, and that's not counting the times where the Bible is talking about what we would call prayer, but where the word prayer isn't used, right? So, for example, you know, that's 250 times where the word prayer is used. That's not counting like Matthew 7, where Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened. But we read that and we go, well, that's talking about prayer. And, and I think it is, and that'll be, that'll be brought up. But that, so 250 times where the word prayer, praying, pray, all of those words are used of about 250 times. So if you were to come to me and say, all right, I want you to take all that the Bible says about prayer and give us a summary. One thing you're going to find is I have a little black book at home where I t- wrote and I went through the Bible every time prayer was mentioned and I would mark that verse and mark that verse and I tell you what my hands started cramping Uh, and the idea of taking all I want you to take those those 250 verses plus the ones like from Matthew 7 uh, and from other places and I want you to put all that together and summarize prayer for us I mean that's just a big topic and that's not including I mean you could really in many ways take the whole book of Psalms you could see, read the whole book of Psalms as an entire song prayer book. So when we say, what does the Bible say about prayer? That's just a big question. So why is it hard to do a study on prayer and to stay biblical? Because you've got to be, you've got to take into account 250 plus verses about prayer and make sure you're not leaving one of those out or a teaching over here out or a teaching over there, that you're not just grabbing your favorite passage on prayer and teaching on that, that you grab all of this. So it's a big topic. So this is a weighty thing. I mean, we joked about, you know, it could be a year, but if we just spent a week on every verse, that's 250 weeks. If we just spent one week on every verse about prayer, and again, that wouldn't even count places like Matthew 7. That would, I mean, all of these things, it's a huge, huge topic. Another reason that prayer is difficult is because people have a love-hate relationship with prayer. People do. We've got, you either have people who, who love to pray and who love prayer and, and think everything in the Bible is ultimately in the end going to be about prayer, right? And then you've got other people who are so scared of prayer or having to pray in front of people or whatever that they almost ignore prayer in their own lives and skim over those 250 verses in the Bible, so you've got, you've got people that when we go, hey, we're going to talk about prayer, some of you are like, yes. And some of you are like, no. So some of you are really excited. And, and, and some of you, again, are already afraid that, that this, this whole time for this next ever long, you're, you're going to feel like you're on the edge of the knife, like in the next five seconds, I'm going to say, and now to practice this prayer, I'm going to ask so-and-so to go ahead and pray with us right now. 
So, so prayer is a huge topic. It's a huge topic that, that just our natural inclinations, personality-wise or whatever, spiritual-wise, some of us love it, some of us get scared of it, and uh, some of us see it in too many places, some of us see it in not enough places, some of it, so we, we've got to work through that. The other reason is that prayer is so difficult is there is a lot of bad teaching on prayer out there. And so, for example, you'll have, you'll have people that sometimes prayer is talked about almost in just a too basic sort of way where they, they think, hey, you know, all you need to, people think they know, they already know all they need to know about prayer. Hey, prayer is, it's talking to God, boom, I've got it, we can move on. Prayer is talking to God. And, and then you've got others, that, and, and the other difficulty you run with in prayer is a lot of prayer has a tendency to be less Bible-based and more experience-based. So people will talk about experiences with prayer or their experiences with prayer and then begin to treat that as if that's what the Bible says about prayer. So, for example, someone will say, well, this person prayed, not in the Bible, but in their life, and this happened, so that's what happens uh, when, when you pray. Now, that's a dangerous way to view any topic, right? That this happened in someone's life, so that's what, that's what happens. I mean, you can't, you can't even do that with the Bible and prayer. So, for example, Elijah and the prophets of Baal. What happened there? Uh, Elijah is trying to convince the people that God is God, and he prays that God would show them that he alone is God, and God brings down fire from heaven, right? Consumes the altar, all this. Now, imagine if you're in a similar situation, and you've got a neighbor that you're trying to convince that neighbor that God is God. That Jesus is real, that he's our savior. And to do that, you think, well, you know what? Elijah prayed and God called down fire. So that's what happens when you pray. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to tell my neighbor, now look, God's going to call down fire and he's going to consume this altar right in front of you. Now, could God call down fire in that situation? Well, actually, yes, God certainly could. But should we read prayers like Elijah's prayers as sort of this is what happens when you pray? Well, certainly not. Context of prayer is often important, and, and sometimes that's ignored, making some prayers and scriptures or teaching on prayer more or less about what the Bible is saying. So it, lots of people believe a lot about prayer, and they believe a lot about prayer passionately, and all of us have these definitions of prayer that we've got locked in our head as to what prayer is, but very rarely is it prayer is this or prayer does this because the Bible says this so prayer has prayer has become like this magnet that just attaches all sorts of things to it some of which are more or less actually biblical another reason that prayer is difficult uh is the first thing we have to do if we're going to talk about prayer is we have to define what prayer is So the very definition of prayer, if I have an idea of what prayer is and my definition of prayer is different from yours and we can go a a whole sort of different ways when we're talking about what is prayer. The problem is there's no verse in the Bible that says what? Prayer is blank. And sort of this, you know, hey, you know, for example, the disciples don't say, Jesus, what is prayer? And then Jesus give his definition. 
as we're going to see, the disciples just asked Jesus how to pray. So there's, there's nothing that we can go to and say, for me to say, what is prayer? Well, guys, here's this verse. It says prayer is blank, and it just sort of lays it out for us. For example, a, a common definition of prayer that, that we mentioned is people will say, prayer is just talking to God. Now, I'll tell you this. The word for talk is listed over 2,500 times in your Bible. Just, well, 2,500 times, just in the Old Testament. Not one time does any translation anywhere translate the word for talk, pray. It's never, never, I mean, in Moses, I mean, in all the instances of people, talk, you have numerous times where someone talks to God and it never, never says so and so prayed, but rather that they, that they talk to God. And of course, the Bible itself never says prayer is just talking to God. Now, I understand the convenience of that definition. And, and, and I would, as we're going to see, I would actually say prayer is not just talking to God. That, that as we're going to see today, prayer is a very specific way of talking to God. Or how about sort of the, the new focus, which is that prayer is, is just as much listening to God as it is talking to him. Well, as we're going to see again, that, there's, that's, you're not going to find that in the Bible. And that's not what the, the Bible never talks about someone praying and says they were listening for the voice of God. That's a more modern, pietistic maybe, or in many ways, charismatically influenced definition of what prayer is. So when we're looking at what does the Bible say about prayer, God never says, and when you pray, listen to me. But these are common ways that we talk about God, and yet they don't really have an anchor in the text of Scripture. These are all things that I have in just my life been taught or thought or been told that prayer is. So what we're going to do is we're going to wade through all of our ideas. I'm going to ask us all to take our definition of prayer, write it on the blackboard of our minds, and then take that eraser and go, and erase it. And redefine. Now, you might end up writing the same thing that you had before. That'll be fine. If, if, you, if we erase it and then you write the definition that you had before, great. But I want all of us to make sure that when we go to look at what prayer is, that we're not holding on to any baggage that may or may not be biblical. So we're going to wade through those ideas. We're going to get rid of all the baggage of, about what we think prayer is. My goal is when we're done, is that we would be a people that can say, Prayer is this, and when someone says, well, why, we can say, because the Bible says this, and we know where to go, and we know where those thoughts come from, we know they're biblical thoughts, we know they're not experience-driven or anything like that, that we know prayer is this, prayer does this, you should pray like this, because the Bible says this. That's what I want us to do. I want us to have a vision of biblical prayer, a definition of what the Bible says that prayer is. So let's do that today. Let's begin by asking, what is prayer? And to do that, we're going to go to that disciple's question. Turn to Luke chapter 11. This is a passage you're going to be very familiar with in the next year. Let's begin where the Bible, where, the, where Jesus' disciples had a very similar question to this. It's a great jumping off verse. Uh, Luke chapter 11, let's just read verse 1. Let's stand in the honor of reading God's word as this is going to be the prayer both for today 
and for our study going forward, which is why uh, the, the slide that we have w- matched this verse. This is our prayer for this whole series uh, is this verse right here. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So let's pray. Father, we come to you today, God, and we ask that you would bless our time. We ask that you would be gracious, giving us hearts that would bow in reverence to your word, that would, that would all of our thoughts would be rooted in what your word says, that you would uh, humble us, that you would encourage us, that you would do all these things as we come to worship you. And one of the ways we want to worship you, Father, is to worship you in obedience to what your word says, that we might know more what you call us to do and be as Christians. We ask for your help. We ask for your grace and mercy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so, so what can we ta- be taught about prayer? What, what is prayer? Uh, like, just like we said, the Bible never says prayer is blank. But that doesn't mean that you can't learn a lot about prayer by going and reading what the Bible does say. In fact, I think when we move away from either oversimplifying prayer or overcomplicating it and just believing that prayer is what the Bible says about prayer, when we assume that the Bible tells us all that we need to know about prayer and that we don't need to take away from that or add to it, then we can actually learn a lot about what it means when the Bible talks about praying. But we must let the Bible teach us and we must let the Bible teach us on its own terms. So what does the Bible teach us about prayer? Let's begin with the very word for prayer. The words for prayer that you're going to see all over your Bible. What does that word even mean? So if we begin, just begin with the word prayer. Where did that word come from? Who started using that word? Because it's, prayer is not a Bible word in this way. Like the word baptize, the word baptize and baptism is just the Greek word that they didn't translate. They just brought it into the text from the Greek and, and just made it a word to baptize. But prayer is not a Bible word. The word for prayer, actually, you could have asked Clay this, the word for prayer just comes from the Latin. It's just from the Latin that means to ask. In a situation that you would ask anybody something, now eventually that word to pray began to be attached solely to asking not just people, but asking God. So that word developed from just normal interactions with people where you ask them things to prayer began to be and was attached solely to having those talks to asking not just anybody, but to ask the Lord. Now, why did they choose of all the words that they could have chosen? You got, you got these, you know, what word are we going to use uh, for this? Why did they choose a word that comes from the idea of, of asking God. Where did they get that idea? Why not? Why didn't they choose the Latin word for talk? To talk to God. Why did they choose a word that means to ask? Well, let's turn and see what, where, the, where they get this idea. And I think they get it from the scripture. If we look at the words that God uses in the Bible to talk about prayer. Now, I say this, the words, 
you're going to read in your Bible and you're going to see the word prayer and you're going to see the word prayer a lot. Now, in your Bibles, there are about 20 different Greek and Hebrew words that are all translated pray or prayer. 20 different words that when your translators are translating the text, they just translated pray. 20 different words that we're all pulling them together. And, and, and I think that does give us some idea of the richness behind a word like, like prayer. But in that, there are two main words for prayer. One in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament that account for 90, 95% of the times that you're going to see the word pray or prayer. So, so of, a, of all the, those, those about 20 words for prayer, these are the big ones. And so whatever prayer has to mean, it's got to come from what these two words mean. The first one is in the Old Testament. It's just a Hebrew word, pillel or pilel. It's a word that means to intervene, to judge, to get involved, to intercede, to take action in a matter. For example, we see this, and this word is used outside of, it's not, it's not translated pray, but this helps us see what this word meant in the Hebrew in a place like Psalm 106, verse 30. Psalm 106, verse 30 says, Then Phineas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stayed. We all know what the intervention was in Phineas. I mean, he took a spear and killed two people with it. Uh, but instead of saying, and then Phineas stood up and speared them, uh, it said Phineas stood up and he intervened. He did something. You see the word in the story of Eli's sons in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 25. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede? That same word, who can intercede for him? So, so if, if, if someone sins against a man, God can get in between the two. But if you sin against the Lord, who's going to get in between you and God and do something about it? I mean, God can handle it when it's between two men, but if it's between you and God, who's going to be able to do something about that? So that's the idea behind this Hebrew word is to do something about something, to intervene. So when God, rather than man is the subject of this word in your Bibles, it's asking for God to intervene on something. And then the word is translated, not intervene, but in your Bibles will be translated pray. So, for example, the same word, Psalm chapter 4, verse 1. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Hear my what? Hear my call for you to intervene. Right? So, be great. God, when, when I call to you, you who've given me relief in my distress, be gracious to me. And when I ask you to do this, when I ask you to intervene, when I pray, God, hear it. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. So what, what's going on? The people are asking God to intervene. They're spreading out their hands. They're saying, God, do something about it. In this case, they're asking God in, in Isaiah chapter 1, they're asking God to rescue them. Rescue us, God, from our enemies who are just destroying us because of our sin. And he says, when you ask me to do that, when you, 
When though you make many prayers, though you make many requests for intervention, though you ask for me to intercede, though you ask for me to do something, do something, he says, I will hide my eyes from you. Why? Why will he not listen? Because the hands they're spreading in prayer, and we're going to see that was a common method of prayer, that the hands they were spreading, God, we're doing the actions right. He says, but those hands that you've lifted and in asking me to do something are hands that are full of blood. In other words, God is saying, I'm not going to do anything. So as you're reading the, these Old Testament texts, the prayer comes from the idea of asking God to intervene in a situation, to act, to judge, to get involved. It's asking God to do something. Every word that is attached to the definition of prayer in the Old Testament, especially that word is a word saying, God, we need you to intervene. So when you get into the New Testament, the New Testament word that, that, the Lord chose to use the most common word again of the about a hundred and six times. Or, no, so about the 120 some odd times that the word pray is used. This word is used about 115 of those. This is by far the most common word for prayer in the New Testament. It's the word that you'll see in like in Luke 11 when he says, teach us how to pray. It's the one you see in Matthew 6 when he's giving the Lord's prayer. This is the, the most common word for prayer. Well, what word do they use in the, in the New Testament? It's a very similar word. It's the word prosukamai, which, is a, which seems like, who cares about that? But it's, it's a combination of two words. One, the word toward, pros. And ukamai, which is a word that means a wish, a desire, a want. It is to bring a wish or a desire, pros, to someone it is toward wish something it is to bring a desire to someone so you can see the similarity between that word and the old testament word which is why in the septuagint when they were translating the old testament into greek they used this word because the two are very similar you're asking god to do something you're asking god to do something in the in the old testament with that word well we've got a word in greek that means that same thing which is to bring our wish our desire to god what word is that it's this word Remember when, uh, when Paul said in Romans chapter 9, I wish that I myself could be accursed for, the, for my people, for my kinsmen, according to the flesh? That word wish is that word ukamai, that desire. So it's to bring that wish toward God is what prayer is. It is to wish toward him, to give him your wants, your, your desires. To pray then is to, to bring what you want to God. God, here is my request. Here's what I'm asking you to do. And, and that's, we see that in the definition. So like, Big passages on prayer, Philippians chapter 4. What does Philippians chapter 4 teach us? Look at what it says. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So here, Paul is talking about prayer, and Paul uses three words, all of which mean asking something. The word prayer bring your wish toward, the word supplication, the word requests, all different words that are in your Bibles at some point translated pray, each of those. Because what is prayer? Prayer is bringing your requests to God. In fact, sometimes the word we translate pray is just the same, is just the word to ask. 
So you'll be reading in your Bibles and you'll see the word prayer, but that's really just the word for ask. In fact, the translators are going to have trouble deciding when to use the word pray and when to use the word ask. For example, uh, look at John 17. You can see how since these words mean to ask for something, it becomes difficult to decide, well, when do I translate it ask and when do I translate it pray? Well, normally they translate it pray when you're asking God for something and they translate it ask when you're talking to a normal person. But look at what happens in John 17. If you're in the, in the ESV, you can see this really clearly. John 17, 9, Jesus' prayer, he says, I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So he's praying, right? Well, that word prayer is just the word for ask. In fact, look at, what, look at how the ESV and other translations translate it just a few verses down. John 17, 15, he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the, it's the same word. It's the same exact word. They could, they could have translated prayer. I think, I think King James translates it prayer. I'm not sure which one, maybe the NIV does too. I, I'm not sure which one, but, but you can see that these, because this is the same word, these translators have to go, well, the word means to ask for something. Well, here Jesus is saying, I am praying for them. Well, that seems more formal. So maybe we'll use the word prayer there. But then a few verses later, uh, this, it's more the specific of what he's asking for. So instead of saying, I, am, I do not pray that you take them out of the world, let's, let's use the word ask. And you see the same thing in verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but for also for those who believe in me through their word. So, so all, and really when you, I said 20 words, all of the other words we could have gone through, all of the other words for prayer, they are all just differing degrees of asking God. I mean, one of them is just a combination of the words oh and no. Like, oh no, like God, oh no, Lord, oh Lord, we pray, we pray, please do this. Another is, is just the word for to beg. So when you see uh, in Matthew, when it says to pray earnestly for laborers, it's not two words. It's not the word pray and the word earnestly. It's one word. It's to means, it means to beg for something. In fact, it'll be used when describing that someone begged the Lord for something, the Lord Jesus Christ for something while he's walking on earth. It's, it's just, they're all just different words for the degree in which you are asking God to do something. So prayer is to go to God for something, to bring what you want, what you're asking that's why when, when they chose the word, what word are we going to choose for, for, to take all of these words from the Old Testament, all these words from the New Testament, what word are we going to use to describe this act of asking? And they said, well, let's choose a word that means ask. Let's choose, let's choose the word prayer because it means to ask God. That's what the Hebrew means. That's what the Greek means. Let's use that word. So if you combine, if you combine all of the words in the Old Testament, you combine all of the words in the New Testament. What is prayer? You get a very simple definition of what is prayer. Prayer is asking God to do something. That's again why the church could take all of those words and say, how do you sum it up? To pray, to ask. That's simple. Now what's happened is over time, that has been seen as too simple. And so over time, so much has been added to this pretty simple biblical definition of prayer. And what's, what's happened is this biblical definition, not only has things been added to it, people have kind of looked on this biblical definition and it's gotten a bad rap. 
For example, I remember when I was learning to pray and people would teach me, now, you shouldn't, you shouldn't come to God always asking. Don't let prayer always be asking God for things. I'll tell you what, do you know what verse tells you to quit asking God for things? None. At no time does God come to the people and say, your problem, Israel, is you're asking too much. Not once in all the things. I mean, we're not going to get to a verse on prayer where God says, guys, here's the problem. I feel like we've got some sort of codependency issue going on in our relationship. And all you do is ask. Uh, I mean, the very word prayer, you cannot pray without asking. Because the very word prayer means to ask. And so it's, it, the Bible never says, hey, you ask too much. The, and what's funny, the, not only do you not see those scriptures where the Bible says, hey, quit asking. In fact, you see the opposite warning in scripture where God says, the reason you've got a problem, why do you not have? Because you do not what? Ask. And even if you do ask, you ask for the wrong reasons. The reason we don't pray ultimately is because we don't realize how much we need God. We've become like the rich man, so blessed in Proverbs. Remember when he says, give me neither poverty nor riches, because if I'm rich, I'll forget about you. I'll say, who is the Lord? Because you won't need him. And one of the reasons we don't pray, the reason we don't ask the Lord is because we don't realize how much we need him how much we need to ask him to do these things that we want and need done in our life. Asking God isn't a problem. Prayer, asking God to do something is a huge blessing. Prayer is the ability to go to the creator of everything and to ask him to do something for you as your father. To ask him to do things in your life and things in your heart. That is a gift. It is a wonderful gift. You, you do not need to be ashamed of going to him and asking. In fact, what does he tell you to do? He tells you to be the persistent widow. He tells you to ask and ask and ask. Some of us are nowhere near the persistent widow. In fact, we have gotten so far from prayer that we're afraid we ask too much. God doesn't want us to be ashamed of asking. He's the one who gave you the gift of prayer to begin with. And he's the one that teaches you how to do it. He's the one that ultimately decided that the Hebrew word we will use is the word for ask. The Hebrew word that I will give you, Moses, to put in the text is a word that means ask. When the Hebrews are reading it, they will know it is to ask me to intervene. It is the word that I will give to Jesus and the disciples. When they will say, Lord, teach us how to, what word am I going to give them to ask the Son, Jesus Christ? Teach us how to come to you with our wishes. We don't need to change prayer into something else. That's the gift he gave us. And it's the gift he teaches us how to use. And then he rebukes us even because we stop asking. We don't need to change prayer into something else out of some sort of guilt that we're always asking God. Because the truth is, if you're looking at what we're guilty for, it is not that we ask God for too much, but that we ask him for too little. It's like we've become that, you you know, when someone gives you something nice and it almost feels too nice and you're like this is too much 
That's what prayer is. It is a huge blessing. And in our embarrassment, we feel like we've got to make it something other than just asking God. Surely, surely he can't just give us the gift of asking him to do things. Surely he can't just tell us, hey, what do we do? Guys, I want you to ask me. I want you to ask me to do great and mighty things. Why does he give us that gift? Because when you're asking God to do things, do you know who you're going to praise when those things are done? Him. And if you don't ask him, you're not going to give him praise. The example I had a few weeks ago, there's a lot of examples in church that involve the Bevenues, but this one's a good one. So the other day, remember when I was, I was walking in my great intelligence and my love for my son, Shepard, we were walking in the snow, super snowy, and he wanted to walk down the hill and we had to get groceries. So we were, we were, we had to pick up a wagon at the church and then I had to walk back up the hill. And so I've got Shepard and his tiny little footsteps and I've got a wagon full of groceries and I've got a hill covered in snow and ice that we watched a, a FedEx truck slide backwards down as we were coming down it. So I'm walking to the hill and I'm, I'm wanting to be the masculine dad who's not like, Shepard, I don't know if we're going to be able to make it back home. You know, let's, let's build a shelter over here. They'll find us. I've got, we've got, find my iPhone on. They'll be able to locate us. It's not a big deal. I didn't want to do that. But as I was walking to the hill, I thought, what am I going to do? And so I started to, I did the, the you know, the, anyone who's driven in the snow and begs knows there's like a four-way breakdown to get to that side of banks, right? You can take Highway 16, you can try and go up the big hill, you got a couple other hills, or you can take the long, winding way around the school and get there. And I'm thinking, well, I can't, I can't go that route, that's too far, I'll lose him, and Leslie won't let me come home without him. Uh, and so I'm, I'm thinking of this, and I'm deciding what to do, and as I'm deciding, I realized, oh, stink, I forgot to do something at the church. And so that, but I was hoping maybe the sun would come out and melt everything in the five minutes I was at the church. Uh, and, I, and I went to do that thing at the church. Just my, my brain's working like a hamster wheel here. Uh, and as I'm walking back, I get to the, to the foot of the hill, that big hill, where I have to decide left, right, or go for it. And a truck drives by. And I couldn't really see in the window, but I saw movement. And as a pastor, you know, you wave at everybody, right? So I waved and I'm really just caught in my thoughts, like, what am I going to do? And then I hear a horn honk behind me. And I turn around and that truck had turned around and come back and it was the Bevenues. And they were like, hey, you want us to give you a ride up this hill? Now, two things. If you know the Bevenues, they do not normally have a truck that can go up that hill. (laughs) that's that's not that their truck is light and this was they the lord happened to have allowed will's boss to let him use the four-wheel drive truck that just happened to go down the hill at the same if i had if i had not forgotten to do the thing at the church that i was supposed to do if i'd remembered to do that i would have already made my decision on the hill i would have either been halfway up or all the way up a different hill but the lord crafted their time to meet the need that to my shame, I didn't ask for. And I told Shepard that. I said, Shepard, the Lord answered a need that I didn't even ask for. But you know, it would have been better, Shepard, if we would have stopped and prayed and said, God, we need to get up this hill. And I don't know how to do it. I said, how much more poignant would I have been if I had stopped and asked? 
Now, the Lord still answered, even though I didn't particularly ask. He saw the confusing mutterings and ramblings of his child and thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and send the Bevenues down there to fix this because I don't know what he's going to do. But how much better if I were so attuned to asking God everything that I had stopped and said, Lord, send someone down the hill. How much cooler would that story? I mean, it's cool that it's surprising, right? But what if I would have said at the bottom of the hill, I said, Lord, send someone to help us. And that you would have been like, witch, burn him. You know, that story. I mean, it would have been like, that's crazy. Uh, But that's what the Lord tells us to do. And if we start asking for God more, not that we might spend it on our pleasures, as we'll see, but that he might get the glory and that he might do great things in the lives of his people, we will see not something to be embarrassed by, but something that will cause us to praise our heavenly father. Do not be embarrassed that your heavenly father comes to you and says, ask me. Where in fact, he says, I will teach you how to ask me for things. And that teaching is never stop asking. What a blessing to not only be able to ask God for things, but to know that when we ask, he hears us and he will answer our prayers. And so to begin our study on prayer, that's, that's where we've got to begin. And so today we'll begin with two points of application, two things that we are going to ask God to do. It's a very easy application. If prayer means to ask, then what we're going to ask God, if prayer is asking God to do something today, we are going to ask God to do something. So let's bow our heads and let's pray right now and ask God to do two things. And both of these things revolve around that request from the disciples of Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. The first thing I want you to ask that's going to be both for today and for the rest of this series is to ask God right now, say, God, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. So when we talk about prayer, we don't just, we want God to teach us how to ask. And we need that. Again, prayer has become so much to do with so many other things. Uh, uh, it can be tied to emotionalism or, or, or charismatic. It can be tied to so many. Or just our, just our laziness and our, and our disconnect from the Lord. It can become so many things that we want it to be what Scripture says. We've got all of these ideas of what prayer is and how it's to be done. And, but we need God in this time that we take on prayer. Of all the things, we need God to teach us. We need God to teach us how to pray. And the good thing is, as we go through our Bibles, we're going to see that he does that. And not just in some metaphysical way, in in, in some sort of spiritual way. He does it in his word. God is going to say a lot about how to pray. And so ask that God would teach us how to pray that as we move through these passages, that your heart would be ready, willing, excited to receive them and do them. But the reason we also began with this and and the other prayer I want us to have right now as a church body isn't just God teach us how to pray. But asking God, God teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. I mean, if if you pull back and you think about what, if we take away the word If you take away the word prayer and you just get back to that basic activity. The disciples are saying, Lord, teach us to ask. 
Lord, teach us, teach us to come to you with our wishes. Teach us, teach us to do that. And Christian, we need to learn. We need to learn how to ask God for sure. We definitely need to do that. But sometimes we have been so blessed by God and our view of God sometimes so distorted that, that we forget to ask. When I say I want us to be a people of prayer, I don't just want us to be a people of a certain type of activity. I want us to be a people who ask the Lord, who are totally dependent on God for everything, who realize every movement of their heart, every bit of sanctification, every act of worship, every activity as a father or as a mother, as a parent, as a child, any activity, as a church member, anything that we do, we need God. We need to ask. So pray, Lord, teach me to ask. If you have become, there is never a time where we as Christians should become independent Christians. There's not a, there's not, you know, that, that phase in our lives as children where we are laying about and then we can crawl and then we start toddling and we're holding the, their hands and they're, they're leading us. And then we don't need our parents anymore. There's not a moment in our Christian life where we don't need the Lord anymore. Where we don't need him for everything. So, I mean, I mean, think about it. Just, uh, just prayers like before you open your Bible saying, God, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Yet how many times have we opened our Bibles assuming that I know the Bible? I'm going to get what I need out of this. I've been a Christian for this long or I've been, I don't, I don't come and say, God, there's no way I can grasp any of this without your help. Today, let's, let's pray with the disciples, ask Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us what it means to pray. And Lord, teach us to ask. Teach us to ask you to do great and mighty things that we cannot even imagine and that we would not have without him. Father, we humble ourselves as a church. And we want to begin this whole time of studying on prayer by just coming to you and saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to do it, God. Teach us on prayer. We need you, Father. If we're going to learn any of this, we, we, we want this moment where we can look back and say, do you remember when we were asking God to teach us to pray? And he did. He did. He taught us how. And then, Lord, today, teach us to ask. Teach us to ask you. That as your children, we have the great blessing through the blood of Jesus Christ that we can confidently go to your throne of grace and ask you these things. Father, we know it is only because of Christ that we can ask. And either we think we're not worthy of asking. If we're not worthy of asking, then it's only because Christ is not worthy to truly redeem us. If Christ has redeemed us and made us your children, and then if Christ is interceding on our behalf and tells us to approach your throne of grace with confidence, then Father, may we confidently come to you with our requests. And Father, if we're not, 
If we are not constantly going to the creator of this universe and asking him for all that we need, it says less about you and more about us. And our pride, our overconfidence, whatever it might be. So, Father, today, please teach us to ask and teach us that because of Christ, we can. Because of Christ, we are not, we, we are not usurping some position that is not ours. We, we, are, we, are, we are only doing what our Savior has told us. Look, I opened the way for you to do this. I took the blood off your hands. I, I made you clean so that you can ask and your father will hear. So, Father, help us to ask and help us to ask in confidence because of who we are in Christ. It is in his name that we ask these things. Amen.